0: Let's pray. Father, thank you that you promised to speak from your word. It is a living communication to us. Would you send your spirit now into our hearts and minds, open our ears, that we would hear from you, from those words, what it is you'd say to each of us and us together this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are in this uh, early stages of this series through Matthew's Gospel, and uh, this is uh, one of the passages in the Gospels which actually you can hear about in all four of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all include uh, one of the accounts of Jesus calling the early disciples to follow him. There's not actually that many parts of the of the story of Jesus which are in all four of the Gospels. Even his birth isn't there in Mark. So. There's something significant about this. And uh, it's interesting when you have something which is mentioned in different gospel accounts. It's to see, well, which, what focus is this gospel taking? What was Matthew particularly wanting to highlight for us? And we shouldn't get worried about the fact that each of the Gospels emphasizes different things in this story. I've used this analogy before, so forgive me, but I think it's a helpful one, and it's a helpful tool if you're ever reading a passage in a Gospel and you remember it from a different Gospel and it has slightly different details. Rather than worrying that they've got different, they're saying different things, I find it much more helpful to think of the analogy of football. But then I think it's helpful to think about football quite a lot of the time. Um, <laughs> ironically probably unhelpfully amount of time Uh, or any sport on tv Uh, think of anything now which is shown on television any kind of sport or even any event it's going to be shown from multiple camera angles they're all showing the same event but they're taking a different angle some might be zoomed right in on the detail of what's happening another camera might give you the the wide shot which shows you the sort of overall picture Another camera might follow one of the particular players around to see what they're doing. And there'll probably be a camera on parts of the crowd to show their reaction to the events that are unfolding. And actually, as you read the Gospels and you hear them having slightly different takes on the events that happened, it's easier to see it in that sort of framework. They're all describing the same events in the life and ministry of Jesus But they're just taking a slightly different angle. They're highlighting a different part of it. And when that happens, especially when we've got four accounts of something which God wanted to give us in the Gospels, it's really helpful to say, well, why is this Gospel writer taking this angle? Why are they focusing on these details? What are they not mentioning as well as what they are mentioning? And now, to put this in context of Jesus calling the disciples, Two weeks ago, we heard about Jesus' baptism, where both God and John the Baptist gave a testimony to who Jesus was. And then last week, Peter took us through the story of Jesus being led into the desert and resisting the temptation of the devil. And now in chapter 4, Matthew moves on to the first response to Jesus. We've seen and heard who Jesus is. We've had a great example of him at the beginning of his ministry, resisting temptation And now we see some of these early responses to who Jesus is. The first people to really follow Jesus. So what does that look like for us? For those of us who would call ourselves followers of Jesus, what does that mean? Well, if you're here this morning and you've never really thought about yourself as someone who follows Jesus, who believes in Jesus, well, why? and? What would that look like? Well, Matthew starts to show us something here about the response of those first people who met him. So the first thing that we have then is from Jesus himself is a call to follow. Jesus calls people to follow him. The passage that we heard begins with another prophecy from uh, telling this in advance, what Jesus is going to do. The people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. And with that comes Jesus' own proclamation Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This marks a shift of era in God's salvation plan. John the Baptist is really the last of the Old Testament prophets. He fulfills this promise that Elijah would one day return, and he's the last of the Old Testament prophets because he's the final one to say the Messiah is coming, and in fact, the Messiah is now here, the promised one of God, the one who is going to fulfill these promises that we've been longing and waiting for down the centuries. He is here. And then Jesus comes and we get all these prophecies. Matthew is so keen to show us that Jesus fulfills the promises that were made to God's people. And Jesus himself announces that he's here. It's the end of an era. They've moved, as it were, from one time to another now. I was looking up because we're going to be hearing about Japan. If you go to Japan, I believe it's eight or nine hours different. Is that right? um so you know what it's like when you go to a different time zone it doesn't necessarily nothing happens to you but you look down at your watch and you're now in a different time there's even that place isn't there that runs down the pacific ocean where it moves from one day to the other and if you cross even a boat or a plane you cross over that line it's like you've gone back in time i mean you haven't really but you have to go back a whole day just to cross over this line Nothing's changed in you, but they've entered a new time. And with the arrival of Jesus, it might not look like much, but a new era in God's salvation history has now arrived. And so Jesus, this one who brings in this new era, is calling people to follow him, to be part of God's plan to fulfill these promises. And so he calls fishermen. Centuries of waiting. Prophecies, promises, magi, angels, miracles. And Jesus, to usher in this new era of fulfillment of the history of God's salvation plan, calls a few young guys who catch fish for a living. Isn't that wonderful? Doesn't that show again so consistently with the story actually of God that he, it's his power at work? He doesn't need human power or prestige or privilege. It's going to be him at work through them that is going to bring about this new era where that salvation that God has promised is going to go out to the whole world. No longer just uh, the Israelites, but this message that in Jesus you can be brought back to God. You can have your sins forgiven. You can have new life and his presence with you is going to go out to all the world, And it's going to start with a bunch of pretty damp, pretty smelly fishermen. What does he say to them? It's there in Matthew He zooms right in. He doesn't give us as much detail as the other Gospels. This is really focused in on their response. Come, follow me, Jesus says, and I will send you out to fish for people. He uses an illustration that they'll understand, fishing. And he says, you come and follow me, you become my followers, and I'm going to use you to call others to become my followers as well. And that promise that I, it was made about me of people coming into the light, coming out of darkness, is going to go out through you. More and more people will hear this message, and they'll be brought into this kingdom of light, new hope, new life. As you follow me, you will call others to follow. Jesus doesn't actually call people to be disciples. I know that sounds controversial. Let me finish. Jesus doesn't call people to be disciples. He calls us to be disciple making disciples. It's an ongoing chain. That's why we're here. That is literally why we're here. Because those first people told others, and they told others, and they told others, and the Holy Spirit worked through the truth of the gospel to change hearts. And 2,000 years later, more than 2,000 miles away, we're sat here and we can know Jesus for ourselves because he called those fishermen to call others and God worked through them and the power of the truth of the gospel of who he is and what he's done to gather people to him Jesus doesn't just call disciples I probably should have used the word just he doesn't just call disciples he calls disciple making disciples But I mentioned about focus, I mentioned about angles and I mentioned about the difference between the Gospels and Matthew, who's actually one of the longer Gospels doesn't say very much here If you read this story in Luke you get a much longer situation where Jesus actually tells Peter to cast his nets back into the sea and they get a bigger haul of fish and there's this wonderful picture of a living parable of drawing people into the kingdom Well, Matthew doesn't include that What Matthew gives us is a zoomed-in, focused picture of their response. It's all about immediacy. It's all about totality of their willingness to give everything up to follow this Jesus. And it raises that question of what will be our response? How will we respond? Verse 20, Peter and Andrew, listen to how... Immediately, they just drop everything and follow. In verse 20, at once, they left their nets and followed him. It wasn't a case of getting the diary out, opening up the iPhone and finding the calendar and going, yeah, I'm sort of fishing today, and then tomorrow I'm seeing my friend, and yeah, I could come and follow you next Wednesday. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Verse 22, same, James and John, immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Matthew just wants us to see the impact that Jesus' call had on these young men. They'd seen something in him. Perhaps Andrew had already introduced Peter to him earlier. You read that in John's account of this. But now Jesus says, come and follow me. And they see something in him, or they've heard, or perhaps they were there when John the Baptist was baptizing him, or they've. Something about Jesus inspires these fishermen to drop everything and follow him. It's a very humbling experience to be a parent. One of the ways it's very humbling is the difference between how your children react to you and their grandparents. Miriam is doing something or being picked up from nursery and I turn up. Go away, daddy! Go away! Go away! Playing, I'm having fun. I'm causing havoc and making a mess. Go away, daddy! Now, if nanny or granny turn up, (laughs) drop everything and run. She loves it when nanny or granny pick her up. She loves them so much. I know she loves me as well. It's different, I know. She doesn't see them quite as much, so she loves it when they pick up and she'll just drop everything and run because of who they are and what they mean to her. The disciples, they just drop everything and they go... They've seen something in Jesus which means it's worth it. Now, interestingly, as the Gospels go on, we know that they carry on fishing. It doesn't tell us that they give up on their fishing career. You know, they still have to live, they still have to survive. There's plenty of occasions where they're out fishing and Jesus is talking with them and using miracles and walking out on the water. They don't give it up completely. But I think there's something really significant about their willingness to just drop everything and follow. And Jesus doesn't tell them then to to stop caring for themselves or to stop eating or stop living or to be rude to their families or anything like that. But he's saying, if you follow me, it's got to be with everything. You've got to be prepared to lay it all down. Now, most of it, he'll tell us to pick it back up again. He'll show us what it means to earn our living or love our families or care for the world through him. Through his way of seeing it, he's not telling us to just get rid of good stuff from our life, but he wants to transform it so that everything that we do do is done as part of following him. So our jobs, our our means of income become part of our service and our love for him. The way that we care for our families becomes part of the way that we love Jesus. The way that we speak to strangers or invite people to come and hear about him or just do our part to look after this world that Jesus has made. All good things that you can do when you're not a Christian, but when you're following Jesus, you're doing them for him. He is at the centre Of it all, and they were willing to just drop it and go, like Miriam when she sees her nanny or granny, drop the toys and run. They're here. The disciples see something in Jesus and they drop and they go. Now I know for myself that it is too easy to slip into a part-time commitment to Jesus. It's so easy to get so comfortable in ways of life that we give Jesus some of our attention, some of our time, some of our focus, some of our worship. It's so easy to do that. It's probably easier the longer that we've been a Christian. That We start to go through the motions if we're not careful. We take things for granted. We do them because we've always done them and not actually out of our first love for the Lord. And so this isn't just a passage that speaks to us if we've never followed Jesus. If you are here and you never have, hear his call. He says to you, come, follow me. He has the life for you that God intended. He has the love for you that you could never otherwise know. But even if you are already following Jesus, we need to be reminded of this first love. Of what it means to be prepared to lay everything down and trust it all to him. Because he is utterly trustworthy. Now, it doesn't mean the guarantee of a comfortable, easy life. Far from it. We don't want to portray it as if you follow Jesus and suddenly all your problems disappear. Just ask ask Peter. But following Jesus is the life that God has for us, and we become part of this fulfillment that Matthew is highlighting for us. This new era has dawned. God's kingdom is breaking in. Lives are being transformed. Eternities are being saved. People from all corners of the world are being brought back to God and restored to that right place with Him. The kingdom is coming. And Jesus calls us to follow Him and to play our part. Yes, there's a cost. Yes. It takes trust and faith, but he'll give us those things if we ask. To follow Jesus is the ultimate privilege, the ultimate adventure, and the ultimate purpose in life. It's worth dropping everything for and running after. I want to finish by asking you if you would use your imagination for a minute, please. You might like to close your eyes if you find that's helpful to picture things. I want you to picture this scene that we've just heard. Doesn't matter if the details aren't accurate. Just picture these guys in the boat, Jesus walking along the shore, the warmth, the Middle Eastern sun, the gentle sound of the water lapping. And now I want you to see that it's not them in the boat that Jesus is looking at and loving and calling. I want you to see that it's you. Put yourself from their perspective. Jesus, the Son of God, come to usher in this new dawn of a new kingdom, a new era, is looking at you and saying, come and follow me and I will use you to bring others to receive this gift of life it doesn't matter who you are doesn't matter what your background is doesn't matter what sort of education you've had how much money you have doesn't matter what you look like it doesn't matter how old you are doesn't matter how long you've been a christian it doesn't matter if there are things in your past that you know you're ashamed of it doesn't matter Jesus, the Son of God, is looking at you and he is saying, come and follow me. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you called people like Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and you still call people like us to follow you. Father, thank you that that message is still reaching out to the whole world. It's still reaching out to people in Southbourne. You're still drawing people to yourself. Lord, if we've never really made that commitment to follow you, would you give us the faith to do so? To see that we can trust you with everything and know that love and grace in our lives. And Lord, if we've been following you for some time, but we know that we've gone a bit lukewarm, we're still holding on to some parts of our life for ourselves, we're not quite trusting you with them. Lord, would you soften our hearts and give us the faith to see that we can lay everything down for you. Lay everything down and join in this wonderful plan of being disciple-making disciples, whoever we are. Lord, would you help us to see you calling to us, smiling, saying that you want us with you. And Lord, would you give us the faith And the joy to respond. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.